Hello listeners and welcome to the Bodybuilding Dietitians podcast. Thank you for joining us for what is now episode number 30 of our Road to 2023 series. And we're going to get straight into this one. As per usual, we've been a little bit less frequent with these episodes, but it's still our priority to put out one episode per week for you guys, especially now that season A is drawing to a close. Uh, We definitely have more spare time on the weekend, which means more podcasting. Yeah, I was thinking back to that because we are recording this today on May 1st, which is a Sunday, 2022. And this is the first weekend in many that we've actually been able to relax a little bit and chill out with the dogs at home and have our normal routine and haven't been running around chaotically at shows because these past three weekends, we've had four back-to-back shows, which has been hella exciting. Yeah, it has. It's always a special time of the year. Yeah, man, wouldn't change it for the world. But yeah, actually just reflecting on these past two weeks alone, which is when I believe we did our last recap, is that last weekend flew down to Melbourne for the IFBB National Show, which was such a vibe. Melbourne, just the atmosphere, like people talk about it all the time, but until you're actually down there and you feel the energy of that city, it's just something else. But not only was Melbourne a vibe, but just being down in Melbourne with a whole bunch of bodybuilders, that was a serious vibe. It was spectacular. And for example, on Friday afternoon, actually being at Doty's gym in Brunswick with all of the bodybuilders while everyone was doing their final pump up, they were getting their tans the day before the show. There were a bunch of photographers there. Tony was there. It was just such a vibe. And it was just so much fun to be surrounded by everyone. And Boy, that gym, Jack, it is something else. Like, not only does it have a lot of really old school bodybuilding equipment, it's a very good gym in itself, but the artwork and the photography on all of the walls, it's just so beautiful and inspiring because Tony literally has photographs of every accomplished bodybuilder that's probably ever walked this planet up on the walls. And Boy, it's just something else to be actually doing a set and looking at all of these photos and very, very inspiring. But man, what what a gym to get a pump in. And um, yeah, it was just a really fun weekend down there. Shared an Airbnb with Chloe and then the show for IFBB Nationals that was on the Saturday. So I had two clients competing in that. I had Chloe Spring who was doing bikini and I also had Kate Archibald who was competing in figure. And They both just did so well at that show. And as their coach, I honestly couldn't be more proud of them. So for example, Chloe actually walked away with two gold medals, one in novice A bikini and also in the open A bikini. And she also had a run for her pro card because she won the open. So she actually got to go into the overall for bikini and battle it out against the other open winners. And Kate walked away from her first IFBB national show with a second place in the novice figure lineup as well. So both just absolutely incredible results. And I want to give a humongous congratulations to both of them. And boy, Chloe, what a freaking comeback. Because for anyone who actually listened to our previous Road to 2023 episode, you would have heard that the results from the Queensland State IFBB show didn't necessarily go our way. We definitely went into that show with very high aspirations for Chloe to do really well and really place quite highly. But ultimately, 
it just wasn't our day and that's kind of just the name of the game with bikini sometimes even when you show up at your best sometimes you win and sometimes you learn and on that day we just didn't get the results that we set out for but Chloe man she just has an absolute bulletproof mindset of a champion and she didn't cry about it you know she just took it on the chin she kept her head up high she didn't go woe is me she just said okay well it's not over yet I still have nationals on next week she didn't accept that defeat and she just said I can be better and I can do better and I will do better. So Chloe took on judges feedback. We tweaked a few little things during her peak week. And boy, when she stepped out on that national stage, like if you watch backstage footage and I'm happy to send it to anyone, (laughs) Chloe just walked out on stage and she just had this fire in her eyes. Like was so clear that she was determined to redeem herself from Queensland's and That's exactly what she did. She honestly just, she could not be denied. She wanted it more than anyone up there and she battled her way to the top and boy, she walked away with two gold medals. So I genuinely, I cannot be more proud of Chloe for just the athlete that she is and the mindset that she has and how she just didn't accept defeat. She just came back and she took on judges feedback and she was better and man, to just miss out on her pro card by the skin of her teeth, right? Like Callista was definitely the clear winner on the day. There's no denying that Callista was the best amateur bikini athlete on Saturday and very, very deserving of that win. But to see where Chloe stands now, and she's so close as a bikini athlete to actually being pro worthy. We've now entered her into her recovery phase and she's entering into her improvement season. And safe to say that we are going to be coming back to uh to claim that pro title so watch this space for chloe spring to um to make a another comeback (laughs) yeah i think from what i obviously don't know the bikini category as well as you but from what multiple people said about it being the one of the toughest lineups in australian history and a lot of the shows were the biggest shows of in history as well and the fact that Chloe could, yeah, be in the running, so like the top three for her pro card at a national level in Australia, which it's not like you can go down to your local NPC show in the US mm. and compete for your pro card. It's a little bit more difficult than that in Australia. Gosh, if only we were that fortunate. Boy, like, I'm really hoping that the sport continues to grow to that level of similar to where it is in the United States, because we definitely have the caliber of athletes in this country and they're going to have to get to the point where either they are offering more shows or they need to be handing out more pro cards, right? Like I think that Tony is a little bit hesitant because he doesn't want it to be watered down, but boy, there are so many girls out there who are pro worthy, but because they can only offer one pro card at each show, right? I think it needs to be now a case of where if someone truly is pro worthy in each open division, all of those winners should be winning a pro card. And then ultimately we'd be able to have more pro shows or at least more pro show lineups because even they had a bikini pro show at the IFBB nationals, but there were only five girls in that lineup. Like, you know, usually there's more than five girls in a top call out. (laughs) So yeah, I just, I don't think that it's at that point where it would be watered down. It would only just help get Australia more so on the map so that 
the other countries in the world can see that, wow, Australia's producing some really top bikini athletes. And then finally take over some athletes, like a solid team of Australians over to the Olympia every single year. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's why a lot of Australians are having to resort to going over to the US, which I mean, of course, there are worse things to do, <laughs> but it seems like that's the main avenue to getting to the Olympia. Yeah, absolutely. Taking those loopholes to travel to other countries to try to win your pro card. It'd be Mm. nice if we could just do it on home turf. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, a humongous congratulations to Chloe, the TBD wolf, for climbing that mountain and redeeming herself. I I knew she could do it, and I knew she would. And Kate, she just did such a great job on the weekend, too. Of course, coming home with a second place at IFBB Nationals in the novice lineup, and then flying home to Brisbane that night after the IFBB show to then wake up 4 a.m. the next morning to get her hair and makeup and tan done again. And then she was on stage at the Brisbane Classic at like 9.30 a.m. the following morning, absolutely cleaned up at the Brisbane Classic. She was undefeated in the figure classic and the Miss Figure lineups, and she took out the overall in both. So a massive congratulations to Kate. And boy, just to have that character to be like, I can do this, right? Like I can make it work. I can make it happen because a lot of people, man, if they had two back-to-back shows, Kate was literally on stage in Melbourne around 3 p.m. on Saturday. Then she flew home on Saturday night, had to be up at like 4 a.m. on Sunday morning, hair and makeup, dream tan on, on stage just after 9 a.m. Sunday morning. What? Some people wouldn't have been up by nine. (laughs) Absolutely not. And Kate's like, Yo, I've had multiple layers of tan. I've been on a flight. I've definitely got some carbs in me, but I've been on two shows north and south of Australia. What have you done? (laughs) So I just, I admire Kate so much for just being a go-getter and just, man, she just, she just makes it work, right? She's like, no, I can do this. I'll make it happen. She definitely made it happen into a very high degree and also to peak for two shows back Mm. to back as well within like an 18 hour period. (laughs) Yeah, not to mention the the flying, the poor quality sleep, yeah. the stress. I was very impressed that, yeah, I didn't wouldn't have guessed that she'd had such a hectic twenty four hours, given how top notch she looked on Sunday. Legit, Kate is just an absolute machine. So, yeah, really kudos to her. But also, as her coach this season, I'm actually really glad that we decided to throw her into the deep end and get her to actually compete in the IFBB to truly see where she stands up against those girls, right? Because the thing is with Kate is that she has only been training for a year and a half. And there's no denying that Kate is very, very good. She's a remarkably talented athlete. But I feel as though when you are that good right off the bat in your very first season, it's still really important to stand up against highly competitive athletes and somewhat be humbly reminded that yes I am very good but there's still people out there that are better than me and I'm honestly really glad that Kate got to experience that this season I think it's wonderful to experience all the victories because we all love to win but it's also really important to also experience some defeat and know how to process that and know how to handle that in your first season as well so I'm really glad that Kate got to stand up against those girls in the IFBB, especially in the open class and see where she stands because 
I think it's only just going to keep Kate hungry and it's going to throw more flames into the fire and it's just going to make her determined to now go into a two-year improvement season and then want to come back and once again be even better. So I'm really glad that Kate's obviously been able to pursue ICN to its fullest degree and she's done very well, but boy, see where she stands up against those veterans in the IFBB figure realms as well. I think that's really important because... I know Kate's definitely not the type of person that she would ever let the wins get to her head. She definitely is very humble at heart, but also we have to recognize that being that good right off the bat in your very first competitive season, we know this, Jack. Like It's definitely the exception and not the rule. And most people only experience that sort of success in bodybuilding when they've been doing this relentlessly and consistently usually for decades, right? Not just, not just a few years. So as both a coach and an athlete myself, like I genuinely think that it's important to experience some defeat because it actually gives you even more respect for the people that are actually involved in this sport, because I would never want anyone's first impression of bodybuilding to be, oh, this is pretty easy, <laughs> right? Cause like nothing could be further from the truth. Yeah, I think there's a lot of elements of that to unpack. Not all of them I would completely agree with, but I think that's also why bodybuilding is a individual sport as well, because you don't just compete to beat others, you compete for yourself as well and to, to improve upon what you did last time. So I guess my take on it quickly would be, even if you did win everything, then there's still an opportunity to come back mm. and improve upon your previous physique also, there is always someone better than you. Yeah, exactly. It's just a matter of fact, they didn't prep in the same season or they didn't rock up at the same show. Mm. Well, there is one person who is the best. Other than that person, you, there's kind of always someone above you. <laughs> well, where are they at? Yeah, exactly. You just got to find them, scour them out. And hope they don't find you. <laughs> some people don't have to look very far to, to find someone better. Other people have to kind of do a lot of digging to find someone who's better than them. <laughs> well, let's hope that one day, after many decades in our case, we're on that level. For sure. Well, it depends what level you look at. Like from a coaching standpoint, it would, it's quite hard to find someone who's uh, done a better job than you this season. Oh, well, shucks, my man. No, I've always just found that so strange, though, when people are giving me congratulations. Like, of course, I recognize that it's a team effort, but boy, like those athletes, right? Like the women and the men that you work with, like they're the ones that put in the freaking work, you know, like they have to execute. So yeah, I've, I've personally always found that a bit strange, almost accepting a congratulations as a coach. Yeah. I'm like, thank you very much, but, but they did it. <laughs> mm. Yeah. I definitely know where you're coming from. Yeah. Cause as an athlete myself, I know what it takes as well too. Like you can have an epic plan, but like you're the one that has to put in the hard yards and really execute day after day. And that's really tough, right? Mm. So yeah, it's, it's definitely a team effort, but boy, give it to the athlete. Yeah. The athlete definitely deserves it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's enough of me yapping on, but yeah, obviously a massive congratulations to Kate and Chloe, but Jack, how have your past two weeks been? Fill us in. Yeah. So I wasn't in Melbourne with Tierra, but I was at the ICN show the following day and I had Scott who competed in a number of different categories, it was his second and final show of the season. 
and yeah, pretty stoked with what Scott did across the season. Again, like he's was one of those competitors which tell him to do something and he does it to a T, which means that it wasn't that hard on mind. Like we just needed a plan. He executed the plan very, very well. And he brought a very, very good look to the stage for his first time ever competing. And yeah, we decided not to do nationals, which is uh, I think appropriate for his first ever season. And we're back into an improvement season now and uh, working towards his next season, whether that's in 2024 or 2023 or 2025, depending on when he makes the, the necessary improvements. So yeah, so far he's, it's been just, no, it's been exactly a week mm. since the show and everything's gone quite smoothly for Scott. I think it is quite a nice reflection on the process if a competitor, and I know a lot of this has to do with mindset of the competitor, but it is very nice when a competitor doesn't really have any troubles post comp. Like, mm. I think that's quite reflective of the process and how I'm always very honest with people throughout the prep of what they can expect and what the plan will be afterwards as well. I think where we actually did a post on this on Instagram for the post competition period. And probably the biggest thing is, is just having a plan and knowing what to expect because often it's that feeling of loneliness or misdirection after a comp where you've literally spent an incredible incredible amount of time and effort to work towards that stage and then suddenly you're done and whether or not you decide to compete again you're you no longer have that sort of external gratification from social media like no one's commenting on your sexy photos anymore you're gaining weight and yeah there's a lot of amazing things that happen after comp but they're different they're not mm. quite the same as what you experience throughout a prep which is where it can be quite difficult and it really helps to have a coach there who knows what they're doing to help you through that process yeah absolutely i think you and i were even having this discussion the other day but it's a matter of keeping the vision alive no matter what phase that you're in so Obviously, when you're in a competition prep, like keeping that vision alive of always, you know, bringing up it's this number of weeks out from the show, you know, and really planning ahead and looking forward to that. But when you're working with competitors who are clearly very goal driven people, then post show, you need to set new goals and you need to be working toward new things as well, but still keeping light in that vision too. So talking about, okay, what are some things that we want to improve on this improvement season? And what's our next show date going to be? So always working towards something so that you don't feel as though you are lost or misguided or you know you, you don't have any sort of sense of direction. Mm. And that's assuming if the person actually wants to compete again. It, I think it's also important to have a solid think about whether bodybuilding is for you mm. or not, which... Hopefully it is, or as long as you enjoy it. But there are probably many people who compete once and they decide it's not for them. Yeah, but even then, like find the freaking perks, man. Like the improvement season. Well, yeah, it's season. all about finding what's what's important for you. Yeah. Like choosing your form of activity or exercise that you want to do. Exactly. bodybuilding isn't for everyone. Yeah, and rather than focusing on being a lean bean and watching that scale go down every single day, 
like focus on obviously your training performance and how you're feeling in the gym and how you're feeling just with your relationship with food and just how you're engaging in social events as well. The biggest thing that gets me though is definitely the training. Like not many things can compare to just feeling like an absolute beast in the gym. So always using that positive reinforcement, I find, especially post-show, just on training performance, right? Just watching people get stronger. And clearly that's going to reflect in their physiques as well. If they still have physique aspirations and want to keep improving, it's very, it's a very exciting time, especially because you can take on judges feedback. If you need to keep developing certain areas, you can obviously tailor programs specific for those physique development areas. And then that positive reinforcement of, oh my God, look, your back's growing, your glutes are growing, your delts are growing, whatever it may be. And that's coincided with great training performance and feeling really good too. So it's not all down. (laughs) There's a lot of perks. Mm. Yeah, it's certainly not all down. Yeah, I was very impressed with Scott for his first ever season. Like you brought him in very conditioned. And that's the thing. It's not just a matter of, yeah, let's just get lean. Like it can be tough for a first time competitor to truly achieve that level of conditioning. And also it comes down to Scott's been training for a long time too. Mm. Like he's got a good amount of muscle maturity. Yeah. Well, he, he was working with me six months prior to the prep itself, which certainly helped. We were able to do like a full gaining phase and then a pre-prep phase and then the prep itself. And interestingly, he was he only lost five kilos compared to when he first started with me. That's amazing. Yeah, which is indicative of, of course, gaining some muscle in, in that gaining phase. And even he, for a men's physique and fitness competitor as well, he had a pretty decent stage weight, especially considering how lean he was as well which just goes to show he's got a decent amount of mass on his frame Mm, indeed yeah he weighed more than me on stage (laughs) yeah put that into perspective but we won't shout numbers now (laughs) yeah so i guess i'll get into more of my last couple weeks in general so i think towards the end of last week it was my first week back of training so where it's sunday now so i've just had my second week back of training for this block and things are going well I'm actually reintroduced the hack squat this block, which I'm excited for. I wasn't necessarily planning to, but like this is, I'm actually, I actually wrote a post on this today, but it's, it's honestly my favorite time of the, the improvement season when it's very easy to tap into some motivation and like, it's kind of, although I'm still a year out from starting prep, like it almost feels like I'm counting down the days now until I do start prep, which means super easy to get in a good workout and to do the hard stuff and like really push some numbers in the gym. And it's not like I'm training any harder than I was before, but it's just a little bit easier to train that hard, if Mm. that makes sense. And yeah, basically I've wanted to put in the hack squat again because my knee's been feeling better, touch wood, and it's a movement that I prefer to the barbell backs or the, the safety bar squat because there's just less limiting factors in terms of loading that movement that I can actually limit the quads and not limit my back or mm. my my ability to, to brace and keep my torso upright, etc. Mm, absolutely. Well, I'm just so glad to see you back on the hack. And we knew that the safety bar squat, right? It was just temporary. It was never going to be permanent, but it's awesome to literally see you bounce back and Boy, or do you think in the future you after you might you're up to what four plates per side right now? But do you think you might get to the point where you might try to band it? 
uh, maybe haven't thought that far ahead <laughs> i think there's plenty of people i don't have to look very far going back to our previous conversation to find people who are stronger than me on the hack so <laughs> i've definitely got some people to chase down first and there's still plenty more i can still fit in a, a lot more plates each side on that pre-core hack so mm. yeah although four might sound impressive it's it's not impressive to me just yet. Okay. All right. Hell, but you also did achieve a new PB this past week on your RDL too. Yeah, I did. So I got 195 for the RDL six, which is very close to 200 kilos. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it, it felt okay. And it looked okay as well, which I'm, I'm happy about. And yeah, I actually had a chat to my coach, AJ about what's next with the RDL because I have been noticing that, especially as I'm getting stronger at everything else, like for example, this is the movement that's most relevant would be my dumbbell bent over row where I'm, I'm holding like over 50 kilos each hand and, and, and doing a bent over row with that. Like that's generating quite a decent amount of fatigue to my posterior chain as well as like my back extensions as well and even my hip thrust and leg press. And it's getting to the point now where I can't even do two sets for an RDL because I generate too much fatigue in my hips and my lower back. And it's getting to the point where that second set is quite um, uncomfortable. And it does bring up that question of the options. And I think anyone who knows AJ well knows what option he chose. And I'll, but I'll list the options. So. Option one would be to continue, continue doing what I'm doing, which is stupid because I'll get injured. <laughs> option two would be to lower the intensity and do two or three sets. Mm -hmm. And then option three would be to go crazy and do one set with maximal intensity. Yeah. So, and if you know AJ Morris, I'm pretty sure you're going to choose option C. Yes, that's what <laughs> happened. And I mean, that's the one I was leaning towards as well because... I do want to tick off 200 kilos and I, I genuinely think I can go beyond 200 as well. I just need, um, especially as like I reduce some fatigue in those areas moving forward. What we have done though is introduce like an undulating rep range now. So rather than just trying to attack RDLs for that one set in the six to eight rep range, we're going to keep the intensity the same, but just decrease the load, increase the reps. So like this coming week, I might do 180, try and get 10 or 11 reps and then I'll go back to 195 try and get seven and then keep flipping between those so that I don't generate like you can only improve so much linearly once you get to a certain point so and there's no point in me just trying to get six 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 and then maybe seven because it's it's very mentally fatiguing as well mm. for the CNS yeah I bet and what were we calling them we were saying that right now there's there's four biscuits per side, but biscuits referred to the 20 kilogram plates, plus a few more to make up mm. the extra 15. But we were calling the baby plates, <laughs> tiny teddies. <laughs> yeah, I think that's appropriate. So in the gym- I'm not sure if they have tiny teddies in the US though. Oh, what do they have? I know they have goldfish, but that's mm. slightly different to a cookie. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> oh yeah, but either way, you've got- Maybe your... a mini Reese's Pieces. Yes, well, you've got your- your biscuits and you've got your tiny teddies in the gym but i'm very excited to see you one day that's the thing you want five biscuits per side right you want to lift that 220 
Mm. But yeah, I, think, I have no doubt I can lift 220. Yeah. with Well, with this un, new undulating scheme, um, I think that's a really good protocol. And it'll, uh, once again, uh, just something new for you to experience with your programming too. Mm. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to giving 180 a crack for uh, as many reps as I can, essentially. Mm-hmm. And just seeing how this one set approach goes moving forward. Um, because I do think that when I get into a deficit. I do have an upcoming deficit uh, mini cut in like six weeks or so. I reckon I can bring back in two sets again because I don't think I'll be progressing as rapidly, generating as much fatigue. So yeah, whether I might even choose to intentionally, I don't know, I'll discuss with AJ, but whether or not I intentionally like scale back slightly to then Um. increase, to put in two sets because the risk reward might not be worth it in the deficit but that's of course something to discuss at a later date there's just something about losing a decent chunk of body fat and just how it influences some of your hip hinging movements like that like even i experienced that this past diet that i've just wrapped up like my rdl i just had to taper it back a little bit because i got up to 105 kilograms but after i lost a few kilograms off my frame oh it just didn't feel the same right and it didn't move the same either so you just kind of got to taper it back a little bit Mm. yeah one set man <laughs> i feel like what's what's the theme song for that set gonna be is it gonna be lose yourself by eminem what? no i don't use that for top sets actually one shot one set one opportunity don't mm. don't blow it well i will be playing my top set playlist but it won't be won't be it i don't have any eminem in that playlist <laughs> but where are you at in terms of body composition body weight yeah, so I'm at about 91 kilos at the moment, which is about 200 pounds for people in the US. And yeah, definitely the best body comp I've had at this body weight. And might reach 92, maybe the mid 91s before I mini cut. And then we haven't discussed too much about what that mini cut will entail, but probably coming down to maybe 86, maybe even 85. And then an assessing body composition, assessing how I respond to a deficit because I've never actually done a deficit with AJ. And then continuing on until the pre-prep phase, which will probably be very early next year. Um, And then coming back down again, maintaining and then starting prep. So yeah, when you put it like that, there's probably a solid maybe six months, I would say, of of full on gaining in a row, which is, is going to be really good. And considering like how much my realistically, I've actually seen probably the, the most improvements between October last year and now, mm-hmm. which is how many months, October, November, December, January, February, March, about seven months. And that's interesting because it, it is actually in line with a lot, what a lot of other people say post comp is that, as soon as you step off stage, you're unfortunately not growing muscle. And yeah. it does take a decent amount of time, especially for someone like me who isn't a great dieter in the sense that I do respond quite unfavorably in terms of like my testosterone and the diet fatigue, etc. So it took me probably until around October to start seeing some improvements that I'd never seen before in my physique. So that's always something to consider, especially if someone wants to compete back to back Mm. or if they want to only take a year off season and yeah because i obviously won't mention names but i have seen people on the gram who do compete Mm -hmm. back to back in like classic and bodybuilding divisions 
and they look the same yeah. unfortunately yeah it's it's tough eh? it's a tough call because ultimately everyone loves to get on stage and usually when you get off stage all you want to do is you're just like oh i can't wait to be up there again but certainly for those divisions like i think really you got to pay the patience game and you have to be realistic it's like okay, are you just competing again for the sake of experiencing it again and delivering a similar physique? Or you probably need to factor in an additional six months for true recovery and to get some solid improvements under your belt before you then consider doing another season. Mm. Yeah, because yeah, that truly was about four or five months of recovery. And mm. like, the thing is, you feel like you're recovered, like two weeks post-com when you've got a few carbs and you're like, yeah, I'm recovered, I feel great. Mm. But then it's not until you are actually recovered then you realize you were nowhere near recovered before that. And I think even getting on the hack again this time when I'm a bit heavier than last time, it just feels a million times better than Mm. before. It literally felt like I was swimming through honey last time (laughs) on the hack. And it sounds like fun. (laughs) Depends. A bit of resistance, a bit sticky. (laughs) But now just having that extra body weight, that extra oomph um, really helps a lot for that mm. movement yeah it's just definitely just having a bit more fat on your frame it just gives you that extra oomph thank you yeah <laughs> but it looks great distributed very well you look dense though mm. looking awesome that's the goal 91s never look better <laughs> it's never felt better either <laughs> yeah well speaking of feeling better my appetite is okay <laughs> It's not the best it's been, but I'm still managing to get food in. It was quite poor around two weeks ago, but I was sick at that point. Mm. So that's not surprising, but it has increased a little bit. And I've actually made the strategic nutrition, which technically on paper isn't very, isn't the most optimal thing to do, but optimality is defined by your circumstances, not necessarily what's the best in a textbook. So I have actually moved my final meal of the day to my post-workout um, and my final meal of the day for those who've been listening probably know that it's the the meal highest in vegetables so sure it's going to digest quite a bit slower but i can't actually really eat that meal at dinner unless i want to be at the table by myself for an hour mm. so <laughs> yeah my appetite is better after training which is why i put that meal post-workout now yeah i think that's honestly you're splitting hairs if someone's honestly going to argue with Mm. that and saying like you're having a huge amount of vegetable content post-workout you know don't you know that's going to interrupt your what mps or your glycogen synthesis or whatever yeah yeah yada yada sort of thing there's Mm. still white rice in there and plenty of protein (laughs) yeah there's a lot of protein probably over 60 grams of hbv i think it's just very strategic for you because you're taking advantage of the time of day where your appetite is highest after you've Mm. just done a humongous workout but also to eat your largest most satiating meal yeah Yeah. that's why i did it good call man (laughs) i don't think you're losing anything only gaining Mm. yeah i also get to eat less for dinner and Mm. that's been nicer to go to bed without as full of a stomach i bet and also you don't hear me chiming in the living room saying i'm starting it If you actually did take an hour to eat your dinner. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it definitely was getting on. It was I think I reached like around 40 minutes for that meal. Mm. So, yeah. Even with the biggest spoon in the house. No, I've actually switched to the, what's it called? The scraper thing. Because oh. I can't use it. I eat from the pan. So I, I can't, you can't use metal spoons on the pan. Oh, that's right. It's a combination between like a spatula and a spoon. It's yes. a, a spoonchula. I think that's the technical name, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
yeah, no, I'm glad that you found something that works well for you. And obviously you're just getting that food in. Yeah, well, that's pretty much everything about me. What about you? Man, well, I guess just like uh, a recap on my past two weeks. I wrapped up my dieting phase quite a few weeks ago, and I've just been at maintenance ever since. So just hovering around with my macros right now, like 260 grams of carbs, 40 grams of fat, and 150 grams of protein. So sitting at around 2,000 calories right now, ever since I reversed myself up to that point, I was sitting closer to around 1500 at the end of my dieting phase. My weight actually did continue to drop. I did crack into those 63s, uh, so 63.9, which is pretty awesome, which is down by over six kilograms from my weight of 70 kilograms at the beginning of the dieting phase. So did get my 63s, man, but I've actually just been holding myself at maintenance there and just not actually continuing to inch up my calories since then. Once again, it's only been like a week and a half because I do have a consultation with Joey Cantlin coming up this week where we'll be taking some skin folds and I'm just determined to have low levels of skin folds and I just want those skin folds to be representative of where I finished my dieting phase and still holding that same low body weight before I purposely go into more of a reverse and actually more of a build again and actually purposely start gaining some weight because that's just going to be really good data for us to actually know where are my skin folds right now at this 64 kilograms again because with Joey I've actually taken skin folds quite a number of times at 64 kilograms like coming down in my previous prep reversing out of my past prep and then also now we'll be taking them once again um at at the end of my first dieting phase of the improvement season two so being able to compare all of those skin fold numbers as well and then after that just getting a plan in place so that's kind of me in terms of nutrition and body composition um in terms of training starting a new training mesocycle only just made a few little tweaks to my current training plan i've added in some body weight dips like three sets of amrap which i'm actually doing twice a week because I'm just really determined to get very strong at that sort of body weight movement. I've done it in the past before with like body weight chin-ups and now I want to get really strong with my dips because one, like my shoulders and my triceps are an area that I do want to really continue to develop and it's just a great way to challenge them and I get a great stimulus in my delts and my triceps and my chest as well when I go deep on dips. They're just fun, man. So dips are awesome. I've also for this next mesocycle actually subbed out barbell RDLs for trap bar RDLs. So I'm going to be giving those a solid crack too. But for the most part, other things have kind of just stayed the same. And uh, just excited to just get back into just a really solid routine of training and in a more well-fed state and just keep inching upwards once again. And I'm really back into the thick of the improvement season once again and get Mm. back into a build. Yeah, I've... With mini cuts that I've done in the past, I often find the trickiest part is actually transitioning from the mini cut to the gaining phase again, Mm. because it is quite easy to get stuck into that intermediary phase, especially if you've had to wait or you've had shows going on. And that's kind of one of my goals for the mini cut is to, as soon as it's over, then start making improvements again right away. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I know I do feel like I'm kind of in that in between right now um especially because my food still isn't super high either so 
even when I'm in the gym, I still just kind of feel a little bit small. Like I still don't feel like I'm quite eating enough carbs to actually still get a really solid pump again. Um, but and you need some <laughs> pump enhancer. What's it called? <laughs> no, I think I just need more glucose and more cream of wheat. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's kind of me. But that's just kind of the way that it's worked out. Because obviously Joey's been super busy with all of the shows and all of his competitors as well. So he just had to push out to this time. But that's fine. Because that actually wasn't my initial goal personally. I know that would be for you to kind of get in and get out. But for me, like achieving this new low body weight, I do kind of, I wanted to hold it for at least a few weeks rather than just reversing straight away and shooting right back up. So yeah, just holding this steady, but not for much longer. Hopefully not. <laughs> what do you like me with a bit more fluff in the trunk? Well, I like it when you enjoy your training to the highest capacity. Yeah, that's that true. You're usually in a more positive frame of mind yeah yeah i know this these past few weeks it definitely just coming off the back end of that dieting phase and just unfortunately just experienced quite awful insomnia in those final few weeks and i think also just everything going on with work just like the subconscious chatter as well it was rough man like just a lot of consistent mornings just waking up at like 2 30 and just not being able to get back to bed it really does take a toll on you but this past week since coming back from melbourne i've had seven nights straight of like eight to nine hours sleep it's been amazing so definitely feeling like a whole new woman again really back to myself and oh it's just nice to feel fresh and just clear-headed and no longer like that fuzzy haze as if you're kind of like a little bit hung over or something like that yeah mm. oh it's it's really nice to feel like myself again yeah i certainly don't relish that feeling of being hung over from sleep or mm. lack of sleep sleep deprivation it's rough man i gotta give it to all the parents right <laughs> oh it's tough stuff but i guess that's a good wrap up for this podcast um something that we want to improve this next coming week i would like to continue improving on the hack because mm -hmm. it will be my third session on that just continuing to make it more comfortable and i get to a point probably from next week where I'm truly at, truly at like a zero to three reps in reserve. Mm -hmm. Great. What about you? Ooh, with my skin folds, I want to report back with the lowest skin folds I've ever been at 64 kilograms. So hopefully Excellent. this is the best, best body composition I've ever had at this body weight. So sounds like a plan. Yeah. Let's hopefully make it happen with the pinches. <laughs> All right. Well guys, thank you so much for tuning in. If you did enjoy this podcast, please remember to take a screenshot, post it to your Instagram stories, tag Jack, tag myself, tag TBD. If you think we're worthy, please remember to give us a five-star rating on iTunes or Spotify and potentially leave a review and we'll catch you next week.